John, we're going to jump into 1 John 3, and um, I think this passage is going to be a, a little more, more positive today. It's going to be a little more uplifting. Uh, we've been talking about truth, and we've been talking about um, fake, being fake and non-transparent and inauthentic and what that looks like and light and darkness and talking about loving Jesus but our lives never looking like loving Jesus. And then what do we do about that and how do we assess it and how do we go about it? So that's been the first couple of chapters and so we've talked a lot about that. There's been some challenging things for sure, not only in my own life but I know as we've kind of uh, unpacked it together. Uh, today we want to focus on an emotion and on an attribute and a characteristic of God um, that is probably to try to understand it and try to absorb it. It is overwhelming and sometimes can't be absorbed in the way that our human minds will allow us to absorb it. And that is the idea and the characteristic and the attribute of the love of God. But, but so I don't necessarily want to try to stand up here today and uh, be able to explain the love of God in a way to where hopefully by the time you leave, you'll have got it at, at all depths. I don't think that's possible. In, in a few minutes time and certainly I don't have the skills or the acumen and, and I don't know all in that way to be able to do that. What I would like to do though is just read the Bible together and then maybe unpack a couple of little things and reinforce some understanding about how God loves us and then how God desires for us to love each other. And if we can do that and we can grab that for a minute, I think that will be something good that we can take away and go and apply to our lives. So this is what John is saying. So John has spent all this time unpacking this idea of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus and, and what it means to walk in truth and, and what it means to follow God's commands and what it means to be faithful and then, and then what it means to not only know truth but to know what is a lie and to be able to spot that and pick that out and not, and not live our lives according to the things of the world and, and the things that lie to us and, and tell us the things that are untrue and, and to be able to know the things that oppose God in the world and, and, and Christ and the false teaching and all that. So he's built up this huge theological foundation and he's given us all this information and, and he's given us stuff that we can apply and impart uh, not only to our hearts but, but to our everyday lives and, and things to avoid and things to do. And so he spent all this time doing this and now he's going to get into this attribute of God's love. And, and the attribute of God's love that isn't just there to be admired, it is there to be emulated by the follower of Christ and to be expressed in a way in which God desires for us in our lives as well. So we're not just supposed to admire love, talk about love, think about love, romanticize about love. We're supposed to express and embody love. First John 3, 1 says, I'm going to skip around here. So I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 10, and then we're going to go down to verse 16, and, and we're going to move through this passage real quick. It says, see how very much our Father loves us. This is such a great line. Just marinate on that for like a second. Just take that in. Just see how very much our father. So the designation that John makes about it being like a father. So there's that family language again. And then he comes back on the end and says, our, our father loves us so much. And, and he loves us so much, he calls us his kids. He calls us his children. And those of you who are in the room and you have children or you've had a parent and, and you know that connection and you know that bond and you've understood that love, then you are looking at the love of God and the love of Christ 
and you're seeing that in an otherworldly nature. It's so much more powerful and it's so much deeper and richer and more profound in, in the nature of God's love for us than even we can imagine loving our own kids and that our parents loved us. And he says, this is how very much God loves you. He calls you his children and we can call him dad. And that is what we are. In verse 10, he says, anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers with this love of God that is so impactful and so powerful that we're okay to say it's like a father to his children and a children back to the father or the mother. So anyone who does not live righteously first and in living righteously, that person loves. So if you're following Christ and you're living a righteous life, which means you're trying to follow the teachings and commands of Jesus, then you are loving other people. And he makes a designation here that says, not only are you loving other people, you're loving other believers. And if you don't love other people and you don't love other believers, John says you don't belong to God. Why? Because in verse 11 he says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is what we do. Verse 16 says, we, we know what real love is. So, so not only is it what we should think about and look at and admire, but it is what we should do because it's who we are. And those that don't do it have to check themselves on whether or not they truly are who they think they are. And he said, we're not left to our own devices though. We've been taught this from the beginning by Jesus himself, that we should love one another. And not only have we admired it, known it, felt it, seen it, and heard it taught from Christ, seen it modeled in his life, we know what real love is because Christ showed us what it was. He gave up his life for us. And so that is just the embodiment and the truth of what real love is. So we also ought to give up our lives for brothers and sisters. And then verse 18, he says, dear children, let's not... And this is where, well, you know what? I promised you that it wasn't going to be tough today. I take that back. I guess I lied in church. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Verse 24, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Verse one, see how very much our father loves us. You could, you could almost rewrite, I heard one commentary uh, and commentator say this, and I, I really loved it. He said, you could almost rewrite that verse to say, um, see how otherworldly God's love is for you. See how you can't even understand the depth and the nature of God's love for you. You can look and you can try to understand, but it's so profound and even beyond human comprehension how much God loves you, it is otherworldly. How many of you have ever heard someone say this to you or you've said this to someone, I love you more than you know? Have you ever said that to somebody? Has somebody ever said that to you? It's an interesting thing 
there's two sides to that. If someone doesn't know how much you love them, then that might be a problem. So maybe it's a way for us to say that when we're really not demonstrating how much we actually do love them. But I know what the, the, the gesture means, and, and I've said it, and I say it. What you're really saying is, I love you at such a depth and with such a passion and with such richness and profound nature and and with such a desire for you and a care for you that that you can't even understand how much I love you. That's really kind of probably what it's embodying when we make that statement. I love you more than you know. The writer of John is saying that this is what essentially God is saying to us. I love you more than you know. And essentially, he is telling the truth in that we just probably don't know. See how very much God loves us. That oftentimes to try to compute it and to try to think through it and to try to think to apply it, it just seems impossible to understand and to know. And so starting out with the understanding of the depth of God's love, as he moves into verse 10, he says, this is who God is. God is love. See, God is love. He is not loving. He is the embodiment of love itself. He initiated it. He personifies it. To belong to God is to be inseparable from love because God is love. Uh, you've heard me maybe say this before. Maybe I haven't. I don't remember. I know, I've, I know that Sarah and Brandon and, and Tashna and, and David have heard me say this at my other church. Um, that to say that God, to try to separate God from love is to try to separate water from being wet. It is impossible. He is in his very nature and in his very person and in his very character and in his very makeup, the embodiment and the totalitarian understanding of love. He is love. And so in verse 10 when he says anyone who is a follower of Christ, or anyone who belongs to this God, this God who is love, cannot say and cannot not love. Because to say I know and belong to this God who is love is to be inseparable from loving. That's why he says anyone who does not love other believers does not belong to God because God is love. He's so much love that it's more than you know. It's beyond comprehension. And so anyone who says, I have a relationship with this particular God and does not love other people, much less other believers who are supposed to have everything in common with you and be unified with you and should be, should be, should be, easier to love are believers easier to love other believers should be so that's why Paul's saying that even if you can't reach the lowest common denominator in the Christian life which is to love other people who say they love Jesus too and that they serve a God who is in fact all love then that makes no sense And John says, I would question whether or not if you never loved anybody, you've never expressed it, you've never showed it, you've never done it not only to your own 
friends and, and to people in your life, but certainly not to anyone who says they are a follower of Christ like you, then he says, I'm not sure you belong to God because God is love. This is what believers do. So verse 11, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What I love about the Bible, and Brian just prayed this, is that it doesn't leave any stone unturned in this way. It, it, it makes these statements, it, it, it speaks truth into our lives, it shows us and models it in the person of Christ and in others that we can look in the scriptures and, and find example in truth of the way in which we should live. He doesn't just say, hey, God is love, it's an abstract idea, we've never seen it modeled, we've never seen an example of it, so try to figure it out. No, he says, this is a message that you heard from the very beginning. In fact, when you came to Jesus, if you're in here and you have a relationship with Christ, and you know this Christ, and you've placed your faith in his finished work on the cross for salvation, and he saved you and changed you, then you in that moment know and understand and were the recipient of love and grace, God's love and grace. And so not only was it a message you knew from the beginning because Christ taught it, but it's a message that we know when we begin this relationship with Christ because we've felt it, we've understood it. And he says, so really at the end of the day, you're inseparable from love as a follower of Jesus, and then in practicing it, you really can't separate yourself from it because not only were you saved and changed by love and grace, um, you've seen it modeled by Jesus. He showed us what love is. He showed us what real love does. In verse 16, he says, we know what it is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the love by our actions. It is what we do. Um, I really love the Geico commercials, the, the ad campaign. You guys know what I'm talking about here? They have, they've had several. I want to make sure I'm not getting this messed up. So this week I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the idea of how if you belong to God, you are inseparable from the understanding of expressing love because God is love. And then he says, if you belong to God, this is what you'll do. And then he says, if you do this, you're not just trying to figure it out and guesswork it. That, that, that you've been taught it from the beginning and that Jesus modeled it to us. And so we have something not only that we know and that we know that we are to love, but we've seen how to love if we're in Christ. And we felt that from God himself. And so I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about the idea that Christians, uh, that that is just what we do. It's like the Geico commercial. Have y'all, have y'all seen this one? My favorite, two of my favorite ones are the, the horror movie one. Did you see this one? If you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. It's just what you do, right? And, and you see the people that are in the horror movie and the guy with the chainsaws chasing them and they're trying to crank the car and they can't get the car cranked. And then instead of like running away, they get out of the car and run into a shed and they run into a shed with meat hooks and, and stuff. And the guy with the chainsaw is standing in there rolling his eyes like, oh my gosh, you know? If you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions, you run to danger, you run to where the killer is, you do things that make no sense. That's just what you do when you're in a horror movie. My other favorite one is, is, kind, of, uh, is kind of interesting, but uh, it, it's the one about the cat. If you are a cat, you ignore people. That's just what you do. And the guy's like, you know, sinking in the quicksand. You remember this? 
and he's dying and he's trying to get the cat to help him and the cat doesn't care. And uh, he's like, go get help, go get help, go get help. And the cat's just looking at him, you know, whereas the dog, you know, Lassie would go and get help and go get the sheriff. But the cat doesn't care because that's what cats do. They're arrogant and they hate you. That, that's, that's what you do. And there's all these other ones uh, out there, you know, I mean, that we could go on and on and on. The, the, there's another funny one about the camel. If you're a camel, you just have to endure hump day jokes. That's just what you do. And they're in the, they're in the office and everybody's saying, it's Wednesday, it's hump day, it's hump day, it's hump day. And the camel's like walking down. He's like, I get it, I understand. So, you know, if you're a camel, you deal with hump day jokes. Um, on Wednesday. It's funny interesting. This is the application of truth to us as followers of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you belong to God, you love people, that's just what you do. It's like being in the Geico commercial. It, it is just a thing. It's, it's not something that we never do or, or sometimes do or occasionally want to do or, or do it when it's convenient or, or do it when we feel like it or whatever. If you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to God. God is love. He embodies it. He initiated it. He expressed it to us in the form of his son. He taught it from the beginning. He exampled it. We see it. We know it. We can absorb it. We can follow it. We serve a God who is love. It's just what we do. We love people. We're believers. And so we can make that commercial. And you see this kind of funny, cheesy commercial that we can make as believers? Everybody's just loving on each other and hugging each other and being there for each other and expressing love to each other and caring for one another. And it, would, it wouldn't be very funny, but boy, it would be very real and very true and should be true of us. And at the end of it, maybe, I don't know what they flash at the end. It wouldn't be the Geico ad. We could just say, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you show and express love. It's what you do. Could we run that at? Could we run it in faith? Could we run it with confidence? John is explicit. He says, if you say you belong to God, you better be able to run it. Because God is love. And he says, Jesus modeled it for us. He laid down his life for others. And he says, that's what we should do too. Now, don't get this twisted. We, we love others by laying down our lives, yes. But he's not saying that if we don't die for somebody that we're not loving them. What he's essentially saying is, is we're loving others by laying down our comforts, our security, and yes, even our lives for them like Christ. But really at the end of the day, John is saying that the believer should be able to at least meet the lowest common denominator. They should at least be able to show basic love above and beyond themselves. It's not saying that we're not loving unless we're dying. It just means that love isn't something we share only when it's convenient or easy for us. In fact, John's like, I'm not trying to get you to necessarily die on the cross for somebody. I'm just trying to get you to care. That's really his main message. I'm trying to get you to understand that expressing love the way Jesus did is gonna require a little bit of sacrifice from you. It's not gonna be able to just be done when it's convenient, just when it's comfortable, just when it's easy, and just when you feel like it. True love that is embodying of Christ and is reminiscent of a God who is all love 
does it sacrificially. Not just when we want to. And so he's giving us the teaching and the truth and the understanding that just because you're not willing to take a bullet for your neighbor or your friend or, or whatever, but, but maybe you would if put in that position. But, but really what he's saying is a, a follower of Christ should at least express love beyond themselves to that person or persons. That at the basic level, we should embody love. And that should express itself in our lives, where we go, where we work, where we play, and especially when we come into Christian community. Notice he makes the distinction here. He's talking about loving the body. And he's talking about loving each other. And he's not talking about assuming that everybody in this room or everybody that you know that is in the global body of Christ uh, feels love and gets it and doesn't need it, doesn't need to have it expressed to them, maybe hasn't felt it in a very long time. Do you realize that there are are tragic situations where some people can sit in church communities for years and never feel love, never be loved? And this should never be. There should never be a place where a Christian or a follower of Christ who says they belong to God, who is love, should not enter into that environment and in some way express and impact that particular environment with an expression of love. There should never be that. In fact, when, when the community comes together and a group of us come together and we're not just individualized and we're in a group and we're in a body together and we live in one place, in a city, in a surrounding area, in a community, then we should, by committee and by a group, be able to positively and eternally effect that community and city just simply because we are followers of Christ and we belong to God and we are at the basic level expressing love. It should change the whole thing. Think about the scenario in your life where someone loving you changed it. I just gave you one of, a, of, a, of one in my life, a person sitting in front of me. We tortured this poor lady. <laughs> Tracy, after you wrote me the other day, I was thinking about that scenario where we, where you had were ta- you'd just taken a shower and you'd just gotten dressed and, and we were outside setting booby traps for you. Do you remember that? And uh, we were trying to get you to fall in the creek and we, we just showed love to you. We just expressed that deeply and sincerely and, and uh, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. Was, was impacted and affected by love, by your love. And prayerfully you were in our life, or, or you wouldn't be sitting here. Think about those scenarios. I'm sure you can all come up with it. Your parents, your, your friends, maybe a sibling of yours who, who interceded for you and, 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 and loved you when maybe things weren't good at home. Maybe you didn't have good parents. Maybe you didn't have that solid environment. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe, maybe it is your own children. Who their love and expression of love for you changes your life and your situation. 
I got to listen yesterday. It's really humbling to my niece, Bonnie's sister's daughter, who was her valedictorian of her class. And, and so she got to stand up and deliver her little address yesterday. And it was really humbling to hear her. And it, we were very proud of her. And she's a, a wonderful kid. And she was two years old when me and Bonnie met. And it was just really bizarre seeing her up there. And it was bizarre because I realized I'm extremely old. And, and that life just passes by so fast. And, and it can run you over, man. And, and just listening to her talk about her life and her experience in high school, but her experience with her Christian walk and her spiritual life. And she was a great witness yesterday, a great witness. It was challenging, honestly, for me. And she talked about the time in ninth and 10th grade where she started to question her faith and, and where she started to have issues with belief and, and where she was struggling with significance and self-worth and, and doubt. And in that moment, she said it was a couple of key people, one of her teachers, uh, one of her individuals who, who helped with music at the school that she interfaced with, her, her parents, who she said explicitly loved her, encouraged her in those seasons, in those times, in those moments that made all the difference for her, not only as a student, not only as someone who was in the arts and performed in that, but as a human being and as a follower of Jesus Christ. And she said, I stand before you today being able to walk across this platform because I had a team. And she said, my team was enacted in my life and, and, they, and they loved me. And it shaped me and it changed perhaps the course and trajectory of my future. That's what love does. That's what God's love does. Pierce the darkness of this world and of sin and oppression and rescues the person to life again. And he does that through his sovereignty and through his grace and through his expression of love that he says to you and me, it's more than you know. And all he says for us as we follow him and as we serve and belong to this God who we call Father, who is love, all he says is, please take this attribute and characteristic that embodies me that I gave to you in Christ and please express it at the basic level in your life. Because if you do, people will see Jesus, they'll turn to him, but really practically and effectively, you may see their life and situation change. And that's why we can't withhold it. That's why we can't not do it. That's why if we say we belong to God, that it has to be a resonant part of our life. Wherever we are, are we going to fail? Yes. Are we going to not measure up? Yes. Are we going to have bad days? Yes. Are we going to be in bad moods? Yes. I, don't, I look out at this crowd, I don't think any of you have mood problems. We've been talking about truth the last couple of weeks, you know. We all, we all fall short there. What's great about grace and God's power is we have this to draw on in his Holy Spirit. And he lets us redeem things. And he, through his power, recuperates things. And he and his power restores things. And he and his power, guess what, gives us second chances and third and fourth and twentieth. So that we can come back and we can express love just at the basic level. You don't have to die, just care. 
And in this commandment, we must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him. I have this little progression that I'm gonna share with you. Believe. So he, he makes it a point to say that belief is a huge part of this, and so faith is a huge part of this. John has spent this last uh, you know, a couple of chapters talking about real faith. The whole title of this series is called Prove It. Prove that you actually are what you say you are. And so that comes initially from belief. In Romans 1, Paul says the, the linchpin and the basic core nature of sin and, and, and bad behavior is unbelief. And so that's where it comes from. So belief is the linchpin of this thing. So he says you must believe in his son Jesus Christ that saves, that changes, that regenerates, that builds back, that restores. And then he says, you love. So believe and then love one another. And so it's like the core competency of what we do. It is kind of the outflow of belief. When you believe, you love. And then he throws in obey. He says, so, so you believe, you love as a result of your belief in Christ and him changing you, and then you obey God's commands. To what? To do what he says, to do what is right in the world, to do what brings glory to God and is for the good of others. And the obeying of God's command is also to love. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The word love there in the original language doesn't change in scope, passion, or intensity. So you are to love your neighbor the same way in which you love God. So you believe, you love, you obey, and in obeying you love, and then you stay. Believe, love, obey, stay. Believe, love, obey, stay. Let's say this together. Believe, love, obey, stay. Believe, love, obey, stay. What is the staying? Oh, remain in fellowship with him. I know, that was very Tony Robbins of me. I get it. That was very coach it was very mad. teacher, right, Judy? Repeat after me. It's important for us to know. Believe, love, obey God's command, which is to love. It's the first commandment. It's the greatest commandment. Remember, they're trying to trip Jesus up. They're not trying to trip him up because they're interested in what he's going to say. They're trying to trip him up so they can arrest him for blaspheming the law. And so, they're, so they're like, well, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And they're, they're hoping he's going to say something. They can say, get him. And that's his response, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is imperative. It is a command that he gave us. Believe, love, obey, oh, love in obeying, and stay with him. The reason why it starts with belief is that, because that's where the relationship begins. That's where the fellowship begins. That's where the, the love relationship begins begins. And if you, if you don't think of your relationship with Jesus today as a love relationship, then you've missed it. It is very much that he loved you first. And as he saved you, you love him back. So fellowship with Christ, watch this in our progression. It strengthens our belief. 
So as we fellowship and we grow in our love for Jesus and in our love relationship, we pursue him and we learn more about him and we read his word and we pray and we interact with others in the body that build us up and, and encourage and love to do the same. We strengthen our faith and our belief. Our belief and our faith is strengthened. Doesn't mean we don't have doubts. It doesn't mean we don't struggle, but it means that when we struggle and when we have doubts, our faith is strengthened so that we can stand and walk. Fellowship with Christ, staying enriches our love. It, when, when you are with someone and you talk to someone and you're around someone and you share with someone and you pursue someone and you're intimate with someone, you love them deeper. You love them greater. You have a, a greater appreciation for them. So that's why we have to stay in this fellowship and relationship with God. Because if we don't stay, we fall out of love. And we find ourselves doing this a, a, a lot in our lives. We, we unfortunately do it with God. I want to share this illustration. I'll share it with you. It's, it's like when you first meet your spouse, if you're married in there. And all you want to do is just talk to them all the time. Right? Hopefully. I know when I met Bonnie, I just, I just wanted to know her. I just wanted to get to know her, and I wanted to know everything about her, and I wanted to grow in my relationship with her, so we talked a lot. And, and unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time together. I traveled a ton. She traveled some. It seemed like every time we had an opportunity to be together, one of us was out of town, and so we talked on the phone a lot. And so we would sit up until one, two in the morning. I can remember being in hotel rooms all over the southeast, all over the country, talking to Bonnie on the phone, falling asleep on the phone because I'm trying to just get to know her. I just, I'm so excited to talk to her on the phone. I, you know, I would, I would find these appointments in these little times where I would leave an event or speaking at an event and I'd get back to my hotel. It was the first thing that I wanted to do was to try to get in touch with Bonnie so I could talk to her. And just sit there and talk about dumb stuff and what do you like for Christmas and, and stuff you don't really care about. But you just do because you're dating and you want to know them more and you want to know their heart and you want to better understand them in love and intimacy. And you just talk and you talk and you talk and you talk. And then the next thing you know, you get married. And five years later, she's calling you at the office and you're like, hey, what's up? Okay, yeah, I'll be home soon. Yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. Can't talk to you anymore. Can't talk right now. Can't talk right now. Can't talk right now. What happened? Where's the love? Where's the intimacy? Where is the, oh, just talk to me, oh, blessed one, oh, beloved one. Oh, is that how you talk? It, 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 yeah, that's you. Oh, please talk more. This meeting can wait. My boss can wait. My friends can wait. This email can wait. Oh, please speak more into the receiver so I can just hear your voice. No, no. What you want, what you want, what you want? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll pick that up on the way home. Yeah, all right, all right. Blah, 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 blah. This is what happens with Jesus. This is what happens our relationship with God. We meet him. He saves us through his love and grace. We just want to know him. Do you remember that time when you first came to Jesus? It was for me. I grew up in a Christian home and in church, and I was lost. I rejected the gospel until I was 19 years old. It's USC, came to know Christ, just want to know so much about Jesus and want to read his word and want to pray and want to go to everything that has the name Jesus on it. 
the, I want to buy the t-shirts and the mugs and the bracelets. And, and you just want to go to the bookstore and buy all the books that you don't understand. And you want to be around people that talk about Jesus and you want to go to things that where they're talking about Jesus. And it's Jesus, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And then five years down the road, you get into your Christian life and, and you just don't stay. And the next thing you know, when it comes time to talk to Jesus and it comes time to know him more and it comes time to grow in love and enrich in love and fellowship with him, it's blah, 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 blah. See, 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 see. I don't time. Believe, love, obey, stay. It strengthens our belief. It enriches our love. It fuels our obedience. We already talked about this. It brings joy to our obedience. There are, the, there are three types of people in the world. Those who do things out of obligation, those who do things out of responsibility, and those who do things out of desire. And there's only one of those that brings joy. And that is how we should seek to obey Christ out of joy and have desire and it fuels it. And then guess what? Because we're strengthened in our belief, because our love relationship is so strong and enriched, and because our obedience to him is a joy to us, it inspires us to stay right next to him. It inspires us to want to be with him always. It inspires us to run back to where we are, pick up the phone, and talk to him. God is love. And he says, if you belong to God, you as a Christian are inseparable from that love. And so it's just what we do. And what we do in Christ's power changes things. All right, we're going to